everyone and welcome to Esker Live. I am Hannah and I will be helping moderate today's live stream. We are streaming from Madison, Wisconsin and are always looking for interaction from the audience. So feel free to tell us where you're watching from and just drop it in the comments. Our presenters today are Nick Carpenter and Graham Smith. Both are business development managers here at Esker. And in today's discussion, they will talk about how to capitalize on generative AI and using ChatGPT on your customer service team. Just a reminder, if you have any questions throughout the live stream, please drop them in the comment section and we will address any questions we get at the end. So without further ado, Nick, Graham, you can take it away. Hey, thanks so much, Hannah. Uh, and thank you everybody for showing up and attending the live stream with us here today. You know, we wanted to talk a little bit about ChatGPT, some of the B2B customer service use cases, and a good starting point is what is generative AI? What is ChatGPT? You know, ChatGPT is a web-based application held within the Azure Cognitive Services uh, cloud, and it, it's very easily plug-inable uh, for other applications to kind of complement uh, some of the interactions that you're having with those. Um, and, and I wanted to touch a little bit on as well what, what some of the differences between generative AI and traditional AI might look like. So with traditional AI, um, you know, it, it had a heavy emphasis on focusing on detecting patterns, making decisions, honing in analytics, uh, classifying data, and, and detecting fraud. Where generative AI is there to help create new content, chat responses, designs. Nick, any anything that you want to add to that? Yeah, very simply, I think like chat ChatGPT specifically, it's like a, you know, Google that talks back to you that you're able to have a conversation with. And you made a really interesting point. It's it's, you know, the buzz that we're hearing in the news, right? You flip on the news, you hear about, you know, generative AI, ChatGPT. What you're hearing about is the large language model that the chat interface um, that is public and accessible by any consumer. We could go to openai.com and log in, create an account and start using it. Um, where we're gonna focus today, the point that you had made, Graham, is really on the Azure Cognitive Services offering where ChatGPT is part of that offering, um, but it's not you know, the entire offering, right? So um, that's a, a critical distinction because it's a different ChatGPT model uh, than what you or I as a consumer might, might access you know, um, if we were just to go to the website today. Right. That, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, and, and maybe that's a good opportunity to transition to, you know, why do people in a customer service, in a supply chain world, potentially care uh, about leveraging generative AI, chat GPT? Um, I was reading an article, uh, this was probably about a month ago, uh, that was put out by Accenture that I, that I found very interesting. Uh, a couple of things that they said within there was that 40% of all working hours could be impacted by large language models, meaning that you know interactions with customers, suppliers, uh, other internal customers could potentially be impacted by leveraging something like ChatGPT. And another really interesting statistic that they um, had within there was that 98% of global execs found that AI foundation models will impact their strategies over the next three to five years. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that ChatGPT is going to come out and affect every single company out there, but that shows that 98% of global executives think that AI 
will help them to positively impact their business in the next three to five years and are probably looking at solutions or already have solutions out there today. Uh, Nick, what are you hearing uh, in regards to why, why people care about ChatGPT today? Oh. Nick, looks like you're muted. First day on the job, sorry. Uh, you know, I think what you hit on two things, like number one, it's like, what's the value for me as a B2B customer service leader? And we should, we're gonna talk about that especially. But one thing that's important to hit on, it's like, a lot of folks are asking me, why are we hearing about this now? Like what, like what changed, you know? And, and I think it's really important to detail that like Microsoft had purchased OpenAI in November and Microsoft is one of the leading, Microsoft Azure is one of the leading hyperscalers um, that everyone is hosting any application in the cloud. Esker, you know, your organization may be hosting SAP on an Azure cloud. So what's changed is the accessibility of this large language model, as opposed to it just being like a little consumer application, you go on on the web and you're kind of having a chat. No, it's literally now embedded within the uh, one of the large, largest hyperscalers of the world. Um, so I think that's just a quick, like, little bit of context on you know why we're hearing about this because it's so much more accessible now so your other point why do we care and i think the stats that you shared it's like i could rattle off like 10 things i do in per day that are uh very tedious monotonous um repetitive and you know robots you know aren't going to take over and ai is not going to take over everything i do but there's a sure a lot of functions that um i could use an efficiency or productivity gain on right so i think you know, why are we talking about ChatGPT it's like, or Azure Cognitive Services or AI in general? It's like, it's a tool that's now really accessible and it can help you do higher value added functions, right? So it can take off the busy work. You know, if I had two hours back on my day, that'd be more time for things like reaching out to proact, you know, practically reaching out to customers, maybe following up with folks, right? There's, there's, there's things that I, I could use those precious two hours for. Right, and I think you nailed it on the head there uh, with the accessibility of the tool, right? You know, I think historically a lot of AI models, uh, a lot of companies out there, you know, there's a lot of integration work, there's a lot of vetting that needed to be done. Whereas, you know, generative AI, chat GPT being held in Azure Cognitive Services makes it a lot more uh, easily accessible as a bolt-on application and very easy to maybe add upgrades to the existing solutions that you have with some of those large language models. Um, you know, with that comes comes potentially some risks. Um, and we also wanted to touch on, you know, what are some of the myths uh, associated with ChatGPT, with generative AI? Uh, and I think one of the big ones that, you know, I think we've been hearing for years around AI in general is that fear of losing your job. Um, and really, it's truly a myth. You know, Nick and I have been in the industry uh, quite a few years now, and a majority of the time, what companies are looking to do is enhance the day, right? We want to take away some of those manual repetitive tasks and institute some sort of technology to give that time back to, say, a customer service rep so that they can be more proactive with their customers, so that they can help with investigations, maybe help with planning, uh, for for fulfillment type activities and, and really get a lot more out of their roles um, and also that provides the opportunity to potentially upskill those individuals get them excited again uh, about the role as opposed to you know sitting nose to the keyboard and, and manually entering various information 
Um, Nick, what, what are you seeing for some of the myths or, or some of the risks associated with the technology? Fear of losing job? Absolutely. I think everybody is, is saying that, right? But yeah. you, well, the example you just gave is like the so what, right? Like, and this is something that you and I have conversations with folks all the time, which is we want to make the lives of our team easier. We want to save them time. But, you know, the conversations we're typically having, it's like, so what, right? And, and a company organization I was working with recently, they're in uh, food production. And they said, you know, our goal for any automation project is to optimize the resource potential for, and then blank. It's whatever departmental objective is there. So the examples you gave, you know, and some of the things that we're hearing companies and customer service teams want to be more proactive on, maybe proactively calling someone for a change in order status, um, partial shipment due to some supply chain disruptions. Maybe it's a cross-selling and upselling campaign. Maybe you're giving a proactive call you know, and, and rattling off the, the, the list of frequently purchased items in addition to uh, what, what the customer just purchased. So I think that that's huge. It's like, it's, you know, the whole goal of this technology, it's, it's just a tool, right? But it's, it's there to help you achieve a business outcome that you weren't able to get beforehand because nose to the keyboard, you know, exactly what you, what you had said. I, I think the other one I'm hearing a lot about, Graham, is like the errors around inaccurate data, AI hallucinations. Have you heard that one come up from the folks you're talking to? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and quite frankly, you know, um, I've had some experience myself uh, when, you know, I, I first heard about the ChatGPT solution. Naturally, I go to, you know, the OpenAI website. I try it for for free, you know, and, and start typing in some information. Um, and, you know, uh, the, the risk that I'm hearing from other people is, well, we, we don't want this generative AI just making up information. Um, with some of those language models, it, the technology tries to fill in gaps, right? But there's differences between what a consumer is going to the website and able to do based on what a business can do by leveraging the technology under Azure Cognitive Services. You know, there are a lot more safe holds. There isn't the opportunity for anything to um, really be made up. There's there's a very consolidated data set of information that's held within that solution. Um, and, and the other thing um, that I wanted to touch on as well, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is is the fact that when, when you're leveraging that solution on, on kind of more of the business side, you have the opportunity to really create drafts, right? Or, or most companies aren't looking at ChatGPT so that they can get rid of an entire customer service team. All interactions are running through there. You know, the technology is is choosing, you know, what transactions are being made, how to communicate with customers. Really, it's a tool to create that first draft when an email inquiry comes in. Create that first draft when a claim comes in to try to understand what are they looking for and then present that to a human so that they have to do a little bit less guesswork. Let the solution take that in. Let the guesswork happen there. And then that rep can then validate that, yes, this is what they're asking for. This is how I want to communicate communicate with my customer and make that communication a one-click interaction. Nick, are, are you hearing the same? Totally. The, the term that folks have thrown around, it's like AI supervised uh, or AI assisted type mm -hmm. engagements, right? Exactly. Like where, you know, you're taking the guesswork, you're taking the complexity of you know, training someone on how to do something, you're kind of taking that out, yet you're still giving them the freedom to add their personal touch or to really differentiate 
you know, you from any other company, right? And they're spending their time on that, not on the basic repetitive work of, you know, filling out something that could be templated. You know what I mean? Right, right, exactly. You know, uh, in line with that as well, you know, I think a lot of companies are concerned about the technology, uh, about the security of the technology, right? Um, a lot of what I'm hearing is, hey, I don't want Microsoft to have my data. I don't, you know, my customers don't want Microsoft to have their data. And again, there are a lot of differences, you know, with with what you can go to and access as a consumer versus what is being held in a in a private cloud. Um, you know, that information isn't getting uploaded. Uh, it isn't being housed. You know, there might be a 30 day cache of some of that information, but that is your information. You hold the rights to that data. Right. Nick, uh, I, I know that you've had some recent conversations around this. Do you want to add to that? Yeah, this, you know, the story, Graham, that we were talking about was the conversation uh, that we had earlier this week where there's a, a Fortune 100 company. They manufacture large capital equipment, big earth mover company. You would know them. They had sent out a, a risk or a notification to all of their suppliers around do not use our data and put our data into chat GPT. Things like pricing information. Maybe it's, you know, uh, customer information. You know, and and it's totally understandable, right? And I think a lot of the folks that we're talking with is we're early in this stage, right? So they're writing those policies, those procedures. They're understanding how their customers feel about it. They're not necessarily jumping right into it right away. Um, but once they've done that, you know, they're they're going back to their customers and saying, you know, we're not putting your data into training a large language model. You know, and that's really the difference between Azure Cognitive Services is that, you know, you're not actually your pricing data isn't going in and somebody else's, you know, a competitor is going to see pricing data on a material, right? That's the, a, a total difference between, you know, openai.com and, you know, the chat GPT that's embedded within Azure Cognitive Services. Um, so I think that's just a, a critical differentiator, you know, and, and Microsoft obviously being one of the largest companies out there, you know, they've got the best security policies in place. It's just important to note that it's not a recurring model that's being trained live with your your data. The other thing that we should talk about, Graham, is that, you know, Azure Cognitive Services, due to the accessibility, everyone's going to embed this within their applications. Um, at SAP Sapphire earlier this year, uh, Christian Klein and Satya Nadella were talking, and they're, they're teaming up co-developing, you know, uh, uh, ChatGPT-like functions embedded within SAP, so that when you're within SAP, you can do it. Esker's doing the same thing, right? And it, it kind of matters some of those use cases. Um, but the interesting point there is that you know you're not necessarily connecting, you know, your systems on you know the customer side directly to, you know, ChatGPT or Azure Cognitive Services. You're relying on your secure software provider, Esker, SAP, whoever, um, to be doing that prompting themselves, right? And and that data it stays stays secure. So another critical differentiator because you know all the use cases that we're about to get into are leveraging existing connections and replicated mm -hmm. data in Esker um, as opposed to ChatGPT looking up into your Oracle system or something. It's it's not like that. So um, let's get to the cool stuff. Let's talk about like, what are we doing with this technology? Like, like right. you're a B2B customer service leader. Like what could you achieve with it? Right. Uh, you know, I, I like to think of, of the chat GPT tool um, as like a steroid shot for your existing processes, you know? And I think that that's what we're seeing with our customers as, as we're starting to roll out the tool um, to various companies um, for things like customer increase management. Right. Um, especially over COVID, 
um, with supply chain shortages, with um, you know, kind of the great resignation. A lot of companies are wondering, hey, where's my order? When am I going to get it? Which one company that I was talking to that manufactures hardware um, was, was saying that they experienced a 200% uptick almost overnight in the amount of customers that are emailing them asking, hey, what's the status of my order? Now, they have that information in their ERP, right? Um, but it takes a lot of time for a customer service rep to read through that email, go into the ERP, find what the order was, then you know, maybe click two or three screens later to then have the tracking number to then copy and paste that tracking number into a web browser to look up when that's going to be received and then go back and type out an email to their customer and telling that information. Um, one use case for ChatGPT is being able to decipher, hey, this customer is looking for the tracking information on this order. And then letting a solution like Eskers do maybe that look up into the ERP with those specific values to say, okay, we need the tracking number on this order and then present a template or a suggested reply for that customer. Um, and, and that can happen with, with other types of inquiries like product questions, uh, availability type requests, and being able to use that, that language model to then say, hey, these are the actions that I want this application to take, right? Um, a couple other areas, um, you know, a, a lot of companies, like Asker struggled for a long time with any kind of unstructured formats. If that's an order coming in, that might look like, hey, Nick, I need four boxes of earplugs and I'm gonna need those by Tuesday. There's really no technology that can say, okay, wh what are they actually asking for? Using these language models, now the, the solution can intelligently say, hey, this is what they're asking for. And then again, let a solution like Esker then go take that action to validate that information, display it for one of your customer service reps or another individual in the organization to say, yep, that's correct. And then again, that becomes more of a fric frictionless transaction. And maybe that's a one-click order process. And we're seeing that for quotes. We're seeing that for returns, claims. And especially, I think claims is very relevant on the customer service side um, because nobody that I talk to says that that they're receiving more than maybe 20% of the claims in a formatted method, leading to you know investments in e-commerce, looking at web forms, changing customer behaviors. Now with a solution like ChatGPT, hey, you know, three of these boxes were damaged. Here's a picture. Let the solution decipher what they're looking for pass what they're looking for over to a solution to validate that, start that investigation immediately. And then you can improve those cycle times. You can improve the response time to your customer and make sure that you're keeping them happy and ideally retaining those. Yeah, I remember those days when when folks would come to us and say, hey, can you automate these orders like this? Um, and we used to say, well, can you get them to use an escrow mobile app? Can you, yeah. use, them to, you know, use a, a, a fillable form? You know what I mean? And and the reality and the nature of customers was no, you know, they didn't want to change how they were doing business. So it is a really exciting time that like those types of use cases are now possible. And it's important to note like this, you know, reading natural language in an email, like that's really what these types of systems are good at, right? Like ChatGPT, it's conversational. You know what I mean? You're in, in normal language. You know what I mean? So it's, they're really good at being able to decipher that unstructured, you know, type right. email communication. And for a lot of B2B customer service teams, they've got a centralized mailbox that somebody's either living in there, color coding, 
flagging, routing, or they've got a case management email to case, but they still have to classify it. And there's no prioritization of, you know, quote requests have a different SLA than, than uh, you know, uh, order status requests. So I think that's another, what you just hit on, the, the classification engine. Great use case for Azure Cognitive Services. Um, the, the, the AI assisted responses, the bundling of multiple pieces of data so that you have a single pane of glass to resolve an inquiry or increase your one-touch case resolution. Um, you know, that those are some of the more impactful ones that that we're hearing. The big one that I'm excited about, and I see it in a lot of customer service, B2B customer service job postings, is helping to decipher what either a substitute product or based on a customer's need that comes in via email, what product do I need? So just for example, you know, customer reaches out and says, hey, can I get a, a diamond? I need a diamond tipped drill bit. I don't even actually know if that exists, but let's say they let's say they did. You know, what would previously happen is that somebody would be going over to a, a product information system or digital catalog and then using keywords, trying to find it, you know what I mean? And they spent all of their time there just trying to find the right material number or product and share the specs with the customer. Imagine a world where you're able to retrieve that information automatically pull in an AI suggested response, and then your rep is able to spend time on picking up the phone and say, hey, run a special promo on this. Would you like to order right now? Right? It's a totally different transformational vision for, the, for how the team operates as opposed to being reactive, busy work, sifting through data versus proactive. I'm a human being. I could be my company's competitive advantage you know, in the market. So that's the exciting stuff. And, and you know, technology just being one, one tool, one way to get there. Right. No, and, and and I think that that's a great point uh, with some of those product questions. There's there's a lot of time involved in trying to find that information. And what I see is a lot of customer service teams um, have diversified responsibilities across different reps, and those reps that might be more product focused are answering those questions. So there's really two people, maybe three people, you know, uh, and some organizations more that are kind of the experts on that. And what happens? Somebody sees that email, they color coordinate it, they forward it over to somebody that can answer the product questions for their customers. And then that person is then, oh, I know what they're talking about. I know what they need. You know, sending their response, maybe attaching any documentation where a tool like this can mm -hmm. can take that guesswork out of it or, you know, be able to repurpose those individuals to maybe focusing on, you know, more value-added tasks. The other one that's that's critical right there that we should definitely hit on is around sentiment analysis. And I'm mm. hearing this is really critical for folks because with the amount of volume of inquiries and orders, and if you're in a transactional business, right, there's just so much work, right? It can be difficult to kind of get a feel on at the micro level or maybe at the customer level or even the buyer level, what's their sentiment in, in, in doing business mm. with you? And that's a really powerful use case we've heard from folks because a, you know, a director or a manager level is able to quickly see or flag you know, patterns of negative sentiments um, based on how they're ordering, the tonality mm -hmm. in their email, so that you can identify potential churn candidates and get in front of that before you risk losing them or you know, slowly losing market share to, to another competitor. You're able to see that there's some frustration around order status or, you know, and, and then, you know, work and identify, break those guys out from the rest so that you can have a plan to address those folks. And that's obviously a, a, a revenue generating, you know, impact, uh, you know, as opposed to kind of the the labor savings, what we've been talking about previously. So another exciting use case, you know, for customer service leaders. I, you know, and on that same line, um, you know, I was talking to a company, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, they wanted to put those 
as uh, into the front of the queue, right? Uh, and their thought process was, well, if I have an angry customer, I probably shouldn't make them wait on my reply. Let's try to reply to them as soon as possible. Well, if you're manually filtering, sifting through emails, sometimes it takes time to find that. Somebody has to read through that. And now your customer's angry because you weren't able to fulfill their next day delivery. Maybe that means that you have to put product out on the yard and you didn't reply for four hours. Now that customer is really angry and maybe they're going elsewhere. So being able to prioritize that by categorizing that as well to make sure you're getting in front of them sooner can be very helpful. Yeah, love it. Graham, is there any other, you know, parting thoughts or, uh, you know, additional use cases that, you know, are jumping out at, at you? Uh, you know, not really. You know, I think the key takeaways here um, is that there are some myths between the data security. I think one thing that you mentioned earlier is that Microsoft is one of the biggest companies on the planet. You know, they take data protection very seriously, not only for themselves, but also for any kind of customers that they have. Um, and, and also just the fact that there are a ton of use cases and we don't have enough time to rattle all those off. So if there is, you know, any specific processes, any use cases that the audience thinks might be applicable, please reach out to us. We're happy to have a conversation, better understand kind of where you're looking and, and, and point you in the right direction. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, I think this is merely a way to to start the conversation, you know, with with customer service leaders and say, you know, where where is your team spending, you know, busy work? What is what is what are the activities that are getting in the way of of them executing a strategic vision, you know, or or tr you know, transformation initiative, you know, and then we can talk about those. Um, and you know, I think a lot of folks are confused concerned or they're excited and want to share a success story and obviously that's what we're here that's what we're here to help with and 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 unpack and, and simplify for folks um i personally am jazzed about this because i think it's it's here to stay it's only going to get developed more that product use case that we just talked about came about within you know the last few months you know when really we were building this around addressing order statuses that come in via email so it's just constantly evolving so it's um it's an exciting time and opportunity abound, you know, and um, it's just a matter of, you know, finding where it fits for you. I think, you know, one other point around the security piece that is relevant that I was asked yesterday is, you know, from a risk mitigation perspective, let's pretend that Azure moves away from OpenAI six months from now. What's Esker going to do then? And, you know, I was explaining to him, you know, in the configuration setups, you know, we've got the ability to toggle between Esker's own proprietary AI engine versus cognitive services whenever the job suits it, you know, best. So, you know, I just think it's, as you're unpacking this, it's important to ask those tough questions, not get blinded by the excitement of it all, right? Um, while it is exciting, it's important to do due diligence um, and make sure that you're, you're finding partners that have, you know, actually put this in production, that have customers using it, that, that have thought through some of these things, because um, obviously you don't want to be the, the guys that uh, put, you know, you know, uh, end up, you know, risking some customer data or something like that. So. I agree with that completely. Nick. Why don't we open it up to Q and a, see if there's any questions from the crowd and, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. We do have a couple questions, but I mean, I agree with both of you guys. It's a really exciting time. AI chat GPT, people are excited, but they're also nervous because of the unknown when it comes to AI. I mean, there's so much knowledge still to learn about it. So the more we learn, the more we can use it to our advantage. Um, so thanks for sharing your insights around that. Um, we do have a couple questions. 
So the first question is, my company is very security conscious. How secure is this technology? Does ChatGPT touch our SAP? Ooh, I want that one, Graham. Yeah. So I thought you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is kind of, we, we touched on this earlier, right? Like around how, um, you know, companies can build out, you know, models on Azure Cognitive Services, but, you know, a lot of software vendors are embedding this within their applications. You're right. And so what Esker, you know, historically is doing for a lot of folks is automating the order management process. And that requires a lot of replicated data. And we're really good at building out tables within Esker. Things like, think like customer master, product master, maybe even pricing information, things of that nature. And that's the connection, right? Esker's, Esker's connected to your systems to pull that in. And then, you know, Azure Cognitive Services or ChatGPT is merely a way just to retrieve that information that's already within Esker. Um, and then, of course, it's not training that large language model as opposed to if you're going to go to openai.com right now, everything that you put in there is constantly reinforcing that model. So two very distinct differences. It's Esker talking to your systems, and it's not a living, breathing, large language model as opposed to what you or I may use or log into right now on openai.com. Awesome. Thanks for that. And then we have another question. Uh, someone in my company is building out ChatGPT capabilities internally. So how is this different? I'll take a stab at it. Let's both take it. <laughs> All right, all right. I'll I'll go first. Right. You know, um, I, I I think the fact of the matter is that there are potentially similarities, right? It depends on where you're looking at it. Um, you know, Chat GPT within Cognitive Services is is very similar technology. It's it's kind of how that is being displayed and how that's being leveraged. Um, again, you know, Chat GPT is a great bolt-on here within Asker. We're kind of bolting it on to our solutions to be able to manage unstructured data, to suggest replies, suggest different validations. Um, and, and there's a million other use cases that could be for uh, coding, that could be with chat bots, that could be embedding on the e-commerce. You know, it just kind of depends on, on what the needs of your company is and where they're looking at it, right? Nick, what do you want to add to that? Yeah, it matters the product that's built around it. Um, I'm not sure if the team can see my screen. I think so. Yeah, this is um, this is from you know Azure OpenAI Cognitive Services showing you know how applications right here can tap into this brain. Now this could be a, a user interface that your company builds out internally, or it could be another product like an SAP or like an Esker that's tapping into this brain. So it can do these things, right? Summarize text, conversational language, classify text, extract information. It matters the product that's built around those things. So, for example, you know, classifying text. Esker's embedded this within our case management, you know, customer service case management platform. So it's really great at identifying. You basically build out your own model for you know what is an order, the criteria that goes within order, quote, status, RFQ, inventory, availability, request, right? Um, that's just one example, right? And and Esker's kind of got the product to help build out that model, right? That's tapping into this, but there's a product around the front end, um, you know, conversational language AI, right? It's great at having some conversational intelligence, but, you know, I had one, one group say, well, you know, our IT team's going to build out this, this chat interface. Am I going to go from my case management platform and then swivel chair over to my generative AI application and then copy and paste? No, you want it embedded within your ticketing solution, right? So I, I think it, it matters, you know, more about like, you know, 
you, you can build these things out internally, but you know, what's the productized capabilities within a, in a, an existing application that you might be already using? That was a whole mouthful, but it's, it's a great, it's a phenomenal question. And I'm glad folks are asking it because I think we're going to see this everywhere, all over the company. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Um, I think that's it for questions. Um, so thanks, Graham and Nick, again, for sharing your insights around this. It was awesome to listen to you guys. And thank you to all of our viewers that joined. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And have an awesome rest of your day and a happy 4th of July if you're celebrating. See ya. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>